Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Welcome to the Pro Basketball Talk podcast. I'm Dan Feldman. There are a couple things you need to know about my guest today. Uh, number one, Seth Partnow is very smart. Uh, I talk to him a lot online. He says uh, complex things, uses big words that I don't know that I often, he doesn't know this, but I often look them up uh, before responding. Uh, so Seth, if you could dumb it down a little bit today, uh, because we're talking, it's going to be a little bit harder for me to look it up before responding. Um, but I have confidence he can do that. Because the other thing Seth uh, does very well is communicate some advanced statistical things in ways that even people like me can understand. Uh, the latest way he's done that is in the book, The Midrange Theory, Basketball's Evolution in the Age of Analytics. Uh, I've read it. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I learned a lot from it. Um, it reinforced some things I did know, right? I, I pay a lot of attention to basketball. It's not all completely new things to me, but it, it put it in ways that crystallizes it'll stick better and there's new things to learn. Uh, it's exactly what I'd be looking for in a book. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it appeals to people of a lot of interest levels in basketball. There's there's things that can be introductory and, and get you through. And if you're already very familiar with, with basketball, there's a lot uh, to learn more advanced. Uh, really enjoyed the book. Very much uh, recommend it. Uh, and the last thing I want you guys to know about Seth before we start is he hates rankings. But somehow, I don't know how this happened, I've convinced him to do four sets of rankings. And maybe he'll, he'll try and weasel out of it and say these are tiers and these are not exactly rankings. I don't know. I don't care. No, these are rankings. He's doing rankings. Uh, and the four rankings we're going to do today, because I think as we go through this process, we're going to have some jumping off points for a lot of discussion about statistics, analytics, how they integrate with the game, how Seth evaluates basketball. He knows basketball. It's not just the stats. But the four categories we're going to do are which players are most underrated by box score statistics, which players are most overrated by box score statistics, which uh, three players are most underrated by advanced statistics, and which players are most overrated by advanced statistics. If those categories sound vague, that's on purpose, uh, so we can go some different directions with it. Uh, Seth, thank you for coming on. Let's just jump into our rankings. Uh, we're going to go three to one. Let's start with underrated by box score. So however you want to take this, which player would you say in the NBA is the third most underrated by box score? So the, fir the first part about this and yay, yay rankings, and I'm very happy <laughs> to be doing this. Uh, the first thing is, is, you know, what's, what's ranking or rating by this. And, you know, for something like, uh, how someone appears via box score stats. I actually think PER is a reasonably good catch-all for that. I mean, it, where it's, you know, we could argue about whether we're talking about per minute or per game or whatever, but I just think in terms of getting an ordered list, 
uh, PER is probably a pretty good representation of quote unquote, what the box score thinks of players. Um, and if there's a, a sort of a through line to the players that PER quote, that, that don't score well on PER, um, that, uh, I think are, are better players than that. It's guys who don't interact with the ball very much guys who, whose offensive value is off ball, whose defensive and who are, um, defensive players who don't aren't necessarily rim protectors who put up big, big stats in terms of rebounds and blocks. So, um, again, I'm, I am going to weasel, uh, cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to order them, but, uh, <laughs> I will, I, what the hell I will. I'd say the most. All right. Wow. We really, uh, we really got you. All no, right. because it's like, it's, it's sort of like, well, is this, you know, a lot of them are, are, for example, the guy who traditionally I would say has been most undervalued by wait, hold on, hold on. We don't give away your number one. If I got okay. you to rank them, don't, I don't want to give we'll, – we'll work our way up to number one. Okay. So number th- for this year right now, I'd say number three is uh, Matisse Thibel. So he is – of the yeah. 180-some players who are minute qualified in PER this year, he is current – or entering today's games, he was uh, 170th. So really, like, you know, bottom 10% of the league. Um, and you know, there's, there, there's questions about him, uh, you know, can he close games, uh, uh, you know, due to his offensive limitations, whatever, it doesn't matter. He's an all defense level player, uh, at an important position who is one of kind of the highest, ev- like defensive event players of recent memory and perhaps all time. Um, and, but that's stuff that doesn't, you know, it's like, oh, he gets three steals instead of two. That's it, not a mm-hmm. huge box score contribution. He's very low usage and, and so on and so forth. So he's a guy who, who you know, most anything, really anything where we're talking about uh, um, recorded stat, like traditionally recorded stats, defense is almost always going to be undervalued um, or, or perhaps misvalued. And I think we'll get there on the other end of this list. Uh, the number two guy on this. Well, here we're we're going to exchange number threes, then number two, oh, then number oh, ones throughout okay. these. So my number three ranks very high by PER, and you almost talked me out of it and had me go with Mikel Bridges, who I kind of had as an honorable mention. But I have Rudy Gobert written down, and I'll just stick with that. Um, you know, he he's up around twenty five by PER, elite, elite. Uh, you know, he gets the blocks, he gets the rebounds, uh, but I'm not sure. I, I don't. I hear what you're saying about that as a stand-in for traditional sense. I've used that before, and I I kind of like that. Um, but I, I don't think that's everything. You know, uh, Rudy Gobert is averaging 15 and a half points a game. And I, I think a lot of times traditional box score is how many points per game are you averaging? And I just sure. don't think that comes close to, to capturing his value as a rim protector. He's improved so much as an on the floor uh, defender. Um, you know, I know it's corny to talk about screen assist, but it, it's helpful to be a good screener. And he's a really good screener. He, he uh, provides uh some gravity through his rolls to the rim um, just does all those, you know, things defensively that, that don't show up in the box score on the top of the ones that do. He's also though that, that, I mean, that is a, that is a good point because sometimes we do like, you know, maybe I'm even being too advanced when I'm talking about like PER. <laughs> it's like, if, if we're like, you know, if by your definition of, of the box score, we're, we're literally yay points, which almost. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. No. And like, Gobert is a better offensive player than like Gobert is the only player minutes qualified player in in the league with a true shooting percentage over seventy percent right now. Mm-hmm. J- Jared Allen is 
picked up before he got hurt, like dipped just under it. And yeah, he doesn't have shooting range past the link of his arm, but he's a monster offensive rebounder and he dunks everything at the basket. And even though he's not a great foul shooter, he is one of the the best players in the league at drawing fouls, you know, relative mm-hmm. to the shots he takes. So by some definition, I'd say you're right, but by others, you know, he, like as you say, he's he's in the he is in the top ten in PER this year. So you know, between his efficiency and like the rebounds and blocks, he is doing like box score statty things. Yes, uh, it is interesting. Uh, I think this really just speaks to how much more advanced we've gotten in statistics that PER now we're using as a stand-in for box score stats instead of in our advanced stat section that we're going to get to. <laughs> um, but that's great. I mean, you know, it's great that we've advanced and it's be- become more nuanced. Um, all right. So who's your number two? Uh, my number two is Duncan Robinson. Mm. Um, he is uh, – so Dybul is 170th. He's 173rd. Uh, very, like a like – a, some of that is this year his – he hasn't shot the ball as well this year. So his, his sort of efficiency numbers are below what they've been for the bulk of his career. But for guys who are elite off-ball shooter, he's got a, he's got a usage under 18. So he doesn't actually shoot that much. But how much he – how much defensive movement he creates by his presence – is makes him from an impact standpoint a, I don't want to say an elite offensive player but in terms of impact he's a high impact offensive player just because how much the defense has to pay attention to him I mean guys who can draw extra attention off the ball um just by movement or not even being involved in the primary action of a play like that stresses a defense hugely um and you know this, this he's sort of heir to the heir to the the JJ Redick Kyle Korver um, you know, um, at this point, probably you could probably put Seth Curry in there at this point, even though he's got probably more on the ball than any of those players. But just the guys who draw so much attention that you know you get the you get the uh, the spacing assists almost. Um, and this was you know Corver was probably most famous for that, where the number of times he'd come off a pin down. And like it was usually Paul Millsap for those Hawks teams, and Millsap would just slip to the basket because both players in the screen were chasing Corver because they didn't want to get him to even catch the ball at the arc, let alone get a shot off. And like, he never touches the ball in that play, but he created that basket for his his you know for lack of a better term, gravity created that basket. And I think that that Robinson is is you know certainly among the players who are healthy. Um, right up there with the the elitist elitist not a word whatever uh of the off-ball shooters of the movement shooters in in the nba today now how much for you is that context because obviously a shooting is extra important to the heat you know with jimmy butler with bam out of bio um you know pj tucker can space from distance but he's not running around like that like how, how much of this is based on the Heat really need this element, or you think just a player like Duncan Robinson is bringing so much surplus value? Uh, I won't necessarily say regardless of context, but somewhat regardless of context. I would say somewhere. I, I mean, I think that you know, if you put him in a in a even a a more spacing robust, like he okay, he may not fit defensively. But like, imagine like sort of the refractory effect of him in the Warriors' offense, like put him like drop him in instead of like you know 
Jordan Poole has more of the ball in his hands, but like it's just in terms of like the terror that he would create anywhere on the court, think of how much space that creates for, you know, Steph and Draymond to play two man games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I think it, you know, now, now is that more or less impactful than it is for a, a sort of a spacing challenge team like the Heat? I don't know. That's a, that's a fair question. Um, and that's, I think that, that that's a point that we'll get into when we start to talk about some of the players who are um, overrated by advanced metrics to, to tease that a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think one thing about somebody like Duncan Robinson that, that's in his favor is he'd fit well on good teams. Like where you run into some, how much is he helping issues are on not as good teams. And at that point, I'm just not worried about it anyway. Right. And you know, I think he would still help like sure. is there, are, you know, it's it's it might be harder to get him. Sh- like they might be not do a good job getting him shots. Right, right. Like an elite shooter is an elite shooter, and you know. Yeah, I didn't put that well. I guess what I meant is helping less than he does. Right, like right. Yeah, you're losing right. some of the the output. All right, my number two is is Chris Paul, um, who is just a, a tremendous floor general. Um, I don't love that term, but he is. I mean, he, he understands the game, one of the smartest players in the game. Uh, just he's in complete control offensively, defensively. Somebody else who rates high by, by PER, uh, but he's only averaging uh, just under 15 points a game. Uh, you know, he, he's usually even in his better years uh, up in the high teens for a, for a long time. Um, you know, he has some good assist numbers. He has some steals, but I just don't think his, his box score stats are eye popping to represent that this guy is, you know, one of the very, very best point guards of all time and still playing at a super high level. Um, I mean, I think I would, I would say the same thing to hit like, you know, other end of the positional spectrum, but I think that like holistically his, his sort of traditional, like his, like, I don't know, I guess when, like maybe the better way of putting this is, is he a good fantasy player? And like Chris Paul mm. is, is an elite fantasy player. And yeah, like especially if you start to factor in, you know, some efficiency stats. Like him and Gobert, both are elite fantasy contributors. Um, you know, I used to play in a very detailed like salary cap league, and they're, they're those players are like both like no brainer maxes. So I think that that's you know, <laughs> in terms yeah. of in terms of like you know traditional, like this was not a league that had any like the most advanced this like stat this league had was instead of using field goal percentage and three pointers made, it used two point percentage and three point percentage. So really like groundbreaking stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, you know what? One thing in the book that I found very interesting, I, I was leaning toward Chris Paul uh, anyway. Um, I, and I, I understand his statistical output is fairly good, but I just think it doesn't come close to covering how elite his play is. But one of the things you talked about is, how good he is at ensuring his team does not commit turnovers that, that, you know, hit, you know, sometimes his turnovers might be up, but of course you'd rather have the ball in Chris Paul's hands a lot because he's going to make good decisions. Um, and, and so and it's not like his turnovers are super high or anything anyway, uh, but he's very good at limiting his team's turnovers. Um, I was curious though, do you know offhand, like what point guards come to mind who are the opposite point guards who, you know, maybe whatever their individual turnover numbers are, um, even if they're, Good, bad, whatever, but where they're particularly bad at, hey, when this guy's on the court, their teams tend to turn it over a lot. Um, gee, that's a good. I question. know I'm putting you on no, the I spot. Know, that's here. a good question. I want to say it's kind of going to be kind of it's going to be guys in sort of the the three and D like point guard mold, like the Pat Beverly's. Mm. Like, okay, like that's that like that's like that's from the hip. I'm not sure. 
Like they're yeah. like some of the like you know um, you know your Russell Westbrooks and Reggie Jacksons are, mm. but they're they're like high individual turnover players also. Right. So that's that's probably not not exactly. But that would be my intuition. Would be with that that sort of kind of player, the guy who doesn't actually give the sort of ball, the traditional ball security of of a point guard, and so that means that they, you know, you end up having, you know, okay, if you're if you're Pat Beverly and you're playing next to, I don't know, I mean, in this in this year he's playing next to D'Angelo Russell, so it's not like you're you're like bereft of ball handling, um, but maybe you know. Maybe maybe like Dennis Schroeder this year in Boston would have been sort of like that. Like mm. Jason Tatum can handle the ball, but it's not like I don't think that I think that probably is a turnover increasing sort of situation to have him and Jalen Brown, especially Jalen Brown, like all, like being the primary. I have the ball, guys. Right. All right. So for me, I thought there was a clear cut number one. Uh, who was your number one for this category? Underrated by box score. Uh, Robert Covington. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, this, this exposes how we went about a little different. Uh, uh, so, I mean, so he's, he's to some degree, he's, he's a little bit in between Thibault and, and again, it probably like maybe he maybe have aged out of this a little bit in terms yeah. of, but I mean, again, a, uh, a guy who is a, um, a, Never been a super high percentage three point shooter, but has been a a willing, high volume, very deep um, shooter, and for and he shoots it well enough that it's like you have to respect him. He's not the weapon that like a Duncan Robinson is, but but he's someone who like must be accounted for. And then you know he's he's uh, he's his sort of defense is is often misunderstood because uh, mm-hmm. he's not an elite on ball stopper. But over the last you know six, seven years has been one of the like really good, like help side defenders um, in, in, in the NBA, given his, you know, his mobility and, and length and size to just, you know, disrupt passing lanes, block shots from the weak side, protect the rim, um, you know, uh, slow the ball. Like be that, that length and mobility also like allows him to kind of slow the ball down on, on like rotations out of, out of uh, double teams. So it's, I think we've all seen the play where, you know, the, the, you run a pick and roll on one side of the floor, it swings, swings to the opposite slot. And the guy wants to throw the ball to the pass to the corner, but the defender closing out to him kind of stunts just enough at that passing lane that they kind of, you know, either double clutch or kind of tuck the ball in and do something else. And I think that, you know, those are the kind of plays that don't really show up in stats, but just like that's disrupting the offense in a way that's pretty important, especially if you're, you know, to to cover up for mistakes elsewhere. Yes. Um, If we can jump back to Duncan Robinson real quick. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think a case against him is, you know, he's uh, he can be, you know, picked on defensively. Um, you know, even even ways Robert Covington for for his flaws as a uh, on ball defender, he's not getting picked on like that. Do do you think Duncan Robinson's underrated defensively? Are we overstating the the problem generally of, of that defense, or do you just think he's like that awesome of an understated offensive contributor? Uh, that even if we have his defense right, I mean, he still belongs on this you list. You know, he's you know by by PER he's the twelfth worst player in the league. So, like, I think that okay. yeah, yes, the, the the like the defensive concerns are now. If you wanted to talk about you know uh, you know Redick, JJ Redick like made himself into a decent defender, but his like size yeah, uh, presented some limitations uh, before he kind of aged out of it. Like Kyle Korver was actually a plus defender by the second half of his career. 
so he he's sort of the poster for um he's actually like okay yes you think this but it's not actually true like again not a guy who would necessarily be a great on ball stopper but mm-hmm. Kyle Crawford was 69 or still is i mean he's not he's, <laughs> 69 very you know uh good anticipation decent movement skills and and good length and um you know that uh it, it you know good rebounder and, and weak shot shot blocker for a perimeter player as well so um a lot of uh there, there's a lot of sort of hidden value there in in those kind of guys that you wouldn't necessarily think of because they're not like slap the floor get into a stance defensive types so I thought the clear number one was Draymond Green. Uh, if I have to hear one more time, oh, he got another triple single. I mean, th- this guy is phenomenal. One of the smartest players in the league. Superb another defender. elite fantasy player. So Right, right. So I, I think this is more just about our different ways yeah. of, of approaching this, which is good, right? It's good discussion here to, to get some different stuff. Uh, but he does so many things that, that don't show up in the box. We're directing teammates on defense, setting screens, the, the positional defense, uh, you know, taking away the post when they can go small. Um, you know, he gets a lot of assists, um, so maybe that's enough to cover his passing, but just a phenomenal passer, a Hall of Fame player. Um, you know, he's averaging, what, seven, eight points a game, so he's not going to get that credit, I think, from people who just look at box scores, traditional box scores. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think I think that, uh, that though, the, the, the flirting with a triple-double every night because of, you know, for traditional box score watchers, the, uh, the magic of the triple-double – Go, does go some way to even if it's like the uh, the classic you know Jason Kidd twelve eleven and ten triple double is still um, something that that is that has some cachet that may, that might overcome sort of the more modest scoring totals. All right, perfect uh, segue to our list of most overrated by box scores. I have a hunch where we're going to end up at number one. At least this is an easy number one for me, but we're going to start at number three. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Who is your number three on the player who is most overrated by looking at traditional box scores? So most overrated. Uh... 
I think that generally speaking, like the guys who are who get most overrated in at least in, in these measures tend to be bigs because you know they get rebounds and they get mm-hmm. block shots and they shoot a high percentage from the floor because they don't shoot from very far out. So I think the number, even though I think he's a good player, uh, the number three for me is uh, Yaka Pertle. Ooh, interesting. By box yeah, score, really? He's, he's, I think he might be underrated so again, by box score. <laughs> well, again, I mean, I get it by my by my like again. I did, I had to choose a measure of box score rating. So yeah, per quite likes him. He's he's twenty fifth in the league, and like he's a you know a fourteen very, points a game, nine rebounds. You know, you get close to that double double. You can almost yeah. say he's averaging a double double. That goes a long yeah. way. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, but his, his know, positional fish- defense. Is not showing up in box scores, but I think is very impactful. Yeah, but he's not like he's not an all star level player. Like he's, he's correct, sort of, correct. He's, he's a guy who's sort of uh, who, who's who's up there. And the other two guys are are, are that are going to be on the list are well. Uh, well, hold on. You know what? I I and, uh, and uh, okay. You know, Go ahead. No, and like other players who you know might have been like you know also in the also nominated are kind of broadly so like Yusuf Nurkic uh mm-hmm. is another so, guy who's who's up there if if it's Zubats who both of them were slightly lower down Christian Wood like we're we get, there's there's a type here we're talking about I think so I agree with you 100% on the type it just ended like most of my considerations are are that type but I I, I guess it's going to come up more in overrated by advanced stats for me uh, because you're using advanced stats. Uh, my my number three, and I didn't feel great about this. I feel a little better than my one, too. My number three is Cole Anthony with the Magic. Um, okay. You know, he, he's a solid player. He's made very nice progress from his rookie year. He's averaging 17, 6, and 6, which I think looks more impressive than it. He's not efficient, uh, still turning it over too much, not defending well enough, like still figuring it out. He's very young. I'm not saying he's not going to be good. I, I like the progress I've seen, but I, I think you just look at the numbers, you might get a sense he's arrived more. And this is something you've talked about in the book. Like teams are going to accumulate a certain number of stats. Somebody's going to get them. This is a lousy Magic team, and he's a guy, I think, getting an outsized statistical traditional box score credit. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the way I put it in the book is just by showing up, and, and an NBA team gets is going to get eighty points, twenty five rebounds, and ten or fifteen assists. And yeah, even on a bad team, someone someone's going to you know that's a bundle of sticks that is just like sitting there, and someone on the team is going to come pick them up, and you know. Very often, the guys on bad teams who do that aren't really adding anything to the pile. They're just doing a good job of, like, you know, being a hungry, hungry, hungry hippo and uh, and scarfing up the, you know, the little the, the statistical marbles that are floating around. And um, this is such a, a young Magic team where, where Cole Anthony, you know, has a little bit more experience than than you know his rookie teammates like, like Wagner and Sucks, and so is a little more adept at doing that. Yeah, and and plus gets to play, you know, at least more than than Wagner, and probably a little more than Suggs too. Gets to play with the ball in his hands. Although at this point, <laughs> it's probably good that he that Suggs doesn't have the ball in his hands. <laughs> Depends what you, what your goals are. But yeah, right. fair. Who's your number two? Uh, so my number two is uh, is Mitchell Robinson. Man, Same. I yeah. Say like, and he's a guy again. Like you're, so the, I think the difference in how we're talking about this is I'm is I am factoring in like efficiency into box score stats because like field goal percentage is a box score stat. for sure. So like you know Mitchell Robinson shooting seventy three percent from the floor, and you know he blocks a ton of shots, and and you know, um, but his you know uh, that sort of overstates kind of his his 
impact on both ends of the floor. Um, I think I had, uh, I had, uh, I talked to uh, Schwinnie Poo from, uh, from uh, who prefers, who refuses to, to let me use his real name uh, <laughs> from the Strickland on, on my pod on Monday. And he was pointing out that like a big part of the reason why it's been tough for Julius Randall to get easy shots a lot of the year is that there's always like a big um, unskilled center in the dunker spot for for the Knicks and and you know Julius Randle is uh, not uh, Mitchell Robinson is like you know guy number one uh the culprit number one in that area I mean Nerlens Noel might be culprit number one because just because I think Mitchell Robinson has better hands than Nerlens Noel but just you know again he's a guy who is in the 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 top 30 in 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 PER and just is nowhere close to that in terms of of like his his overall impact on the game even though he is a you know a good lob threat and a you know solid overall defensive center, even if inconsistent and, you know, um, his, his benefit is much more rim protection and much less kind of all the other defensive stuff. Yeah. So uh, Mitchell Robbins is somebody I had narrowly missing the cut and overrated by advanced stats, which might just get into more <laughs> how we're doing this. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to that one. My number two is Julius Randall. Um, so he, you look at his numbers, he's still averaging 20 and 10. Uh, I gave him a ton of credit last year. I thought he deserved a ton of credit for overcoming that spacing issue, uh, being a good enough shooter from the perimeter, a good enough passer uh, to, to overcome that. I, I thought that's that was an understated part of his really good year. He's having a really down year now, but it's still averaging 20 and 10. I think that's, you know, catches the eye and uh, not efficiently. And then I, I, I think there's his defense isn't good enough. I, I think he benefits somewhat from having that other big out there, not having to do that responsibility where it's a tough trade-off, right? If, if you want to have that space around him, he might be your, your rim protector, and then you're going to have problems there. He's not good enough in that role. Um, and, and then uh, the other thing, which is hard to measure by statistics, box score advanced otherwise, like he seems pretty miserable this year. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, some of that it, it's a, is a product of the next season, but I think some of it is contributing to the next season. I mean, they get in a competitive game. He, he, he gets ejected. He, he's going after the, the fans. Like, I, I think there's a, a, a malaise, a bitterness that, that can infect a team. And it's really hard to pick out uh, from the outside. You don't always know uh, when it, when it's happening. Um, it, it can be hard to see, but I think there's a case where we can see it and say, eh, what he's contributing, not quite like what you'd expect from a typical 20 and 10 player. No, that's. I mean, it's a good point. I guess it's it's for because reasons. Uh, I've been sort of very in tune with the next season this year. Um, that those reasons are sort of my preseason opinion of R.J. Barrett, um, which we. I mean, there's stuff to talk about with him and 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 Fred Katz at the Athletic wrote a good article today about like some some substantial improvements he's made in his game basically since the turn of the year, um, but. It sort of feels like there's a rec- there's already a recognition that 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 you know Randall's stats like his top like his top line per game averages are pretty empty this year. So, may, yeah, you know. So, but but I think that recognition question, comes yeah. from people not looking yeah. at just the top line stats. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. So it's like again, that the part of the reason why like doing a ranking like this is weird. And I, I like. When we were planning this, I fought tooth and nail against naming actual players instead of like, <laughs> instead of like talking about archetypes. And like, yeah, I think you know both the play- actually. It's funny if we're talking about archetypes. Both of the players that you named would have been like the archetypes I would usually pick. It's just that so happens that they're not players who like in in the way I've chosen to 
pick how players are quote unquote rated by box. And I could have, I could have done any number of things. I could have done like the, like the, you know, uh, uh, a simple, like, you know, um, uh, point, like, but just add up their add up their box score stats and per game that and yeah I think that that's closer to what I did yeah yeah and I think that's would lead to different answers but I think I would land closer to where you are yeah because it's like the 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 inefficient top score on a crap team and like the inefficient craps the the inefficient you know score on a bad offensive and a bad disappointing offensive team who once was an all star and isn't anymore because or isn't again because of of you know the inefficiency and the everything else you're mentioning so yeah no i don't i don't i don't disagree with with your selections at all i think they're both you know very solid um you know and this is sort of a guy who we're not going to mention in this because he's been actually like you know quite good this year and especially in late games is demar Derozan, and there's a lot of uh like demar Derozan is sort of famously denigrated by like advanced metric types and that's it but that's like it's relative it's like i don't think anyone thought he was a i don't think anyone credible thought he was a bad player but he would like but it's like he's the 45th best player in the league instead of the 15th best player in the league and if the you know if we're talking about like you know a guy who's viewed as a franchise leader that's being pretty down on a guy like that's not like you know it's not like uh you know uh, late model Russell Westbrook down on a guy the way that like um, um, metrics folks might have been or you know post Achilles Kobe, um, but it, it but it was still a pretty big disconnect just relative to sort of the um, sort of both the the top line numbers and the eye test and I don't think we and we didn't like we didn't you know want to talk about most overrated by the eye test but the thing that that the eye test tends to overrate is difficulty um like you do, yes doing things that are are visibly hard like yeah that's great but you know a, a, a dunk and a contested mid-ranger are worth the same um why is it why are, why is everything you do a contested mid-ranger and why are you never dunking it would be but, sort, of the, <laughs> sort of a question but but i think people can go too far the other way um i think i did for for a while in that as you go deep in the playoffs, it's harder and harder to get the dunks, and there's probably more value in hitting the contested mid-rangers. And maybe to a degree, we're not giving guys a chance to develop that. Uh, you know, during the regular season, you can say, "Look at during the regular season, there's more opportunities to get better shots." Uh, but you get into those big situations, and you're not ready for it. I, I've become a little more patient with guys t- pushing their limits on those types of things. No, not completely I, patient, but a little more. No, I agree. This has come up. This has come up a bunch this year, and you you already mentioned Mikhail Bridges, and like. I think like it, it. Phoenix has the luxury of being good enough that if they, if they, you know, expend four possessions a game, letting Mikhail Bridges explore the studio space with the ball in his hands, you know, if that costs them a game or two over the course of a year, um, for the, the the purpose of uh, either his development in that area or them finding out whether he can develop in that area or not, like that's fine, that's great. A lot of teams don't have that luxury. Um, but I don't, I, but I think that's a perfectly like a, you know, certainly for teams that are, are pretty confident in their playoff, you know, their top six playoffing, uh, ability, like, yeah, letting, letting those guys, like the guys who you might want to, you know, who might end up with the ball with six on the shot clock in a, in a playoff series, you might want to get them some reps at that. Yeah, for sure. 
So you've already mentioned my number one in this category, and it's Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, all those years averaging a triple double, showing up in the box score, and then even this year, he's still averaging eighteen seven and seven. Uh, I, I think somebody who's only looking at the box score might say, "Well, why is everybody down on him?" You know, it's his numbers are still kind of there. I, I think people are overreacting. And uh, no, I mean he's uh, he's got a very flawed game. He's chasing numbers a lot of times, so that increases the the box score input. Inattentive defender. Um, you know, he, he was a good player. He's a very good player. He's a great player at his peak, but a lot of it was having the athleticism to overcome his flaws. And as the athleticism declined, we're just seeing more of the flaws. He's a tough fit on a good team. Uh, maybe in particular this Lakers team, but maybe not. Like it's hard for me to see. Uh, a good team where he would fit. And we talked about this on the, the last podcast with Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman. Uh, you know, it, it's just gonna be tough for Westbrook. He could maybe go to a bad team and, and raise their, their uh, floor a little bit, but I'm not sure what bad team wants that. Uh, maybe there's one. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough fit for him, even though I, his box score stats, 18, seven, seven are not on paper at first glance atrocious. But then you get into you know you get into any sort of shooting, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Right. That's, that's what I'm talking about. The spacing, yeah. right? You you got to be yeah. able to fit well, around other stars. That, but I mean, the fact that I think that like the the the, har- the the harbinger of his of his game kind of deteriorating was when his free throw shooting mm-hmm. kind of started to drop off because like you know he's he's never actually been the the most efficient finisher. Um, no, like but, gets, but, but he get, he got there enough. He got there a lot, and so and like you get there a lot, and then you get to the line and convert the line, and it works out. But then, like you start the the free throw shooting drops off, and maybe you're trying difficult finishes more to not get fouled. And then when you do get fouled, you don't make the free throws, and and all of a sudden, like you know, the 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 extra buckets you're getting, the extra points you're scoring that make up for the turnovers and the um, optimistic mid range bank shots that hit corner of the backboard <laughs> um to, like it, you just can't make up for that anymore so um no that's a like you know especially for how you define it that's a perfectly good one although i have you know i i think my top guy is someone who is um different player position but kind of a similar thing uh it's Montrez harrell yeah yeah i like that answer um you know, a guy he's he's uh you know, he's been a guy who, especially in the regular season, has put up pretty monstrous numbers, like efficient scoring, rebounding, stuff like that, and then gets destroyed in the playoffs every year because he's you know, he is he might be like the he might be the natural heir to Carlos Boozer. Mm, I like yeah, I like the section on Carlos Boozer in the book. That was one of my favorites and really crystallizing some theories there. Uh, in the same vein, I, I consider DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, he's a much, much, much better yeah. player, but also has better box score stats. Yeah, he was someone I considered. Um, although I think that like I think that our that our, our buddy Nate Duncan has gone too far when he he's been describing him as like the worst All Star. Like DeMontis Sabonis is a good player. DeMontis Sabonis is it's 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 difficult with him because he's such a hard fit on a great team. Well, that that matters. I, but yeah. I, I I agree with you that also matters. You know, making a team good. Right. I don't think he can single handedly make a team good, but he can make a an okay a certain okay team good. And there's value in that. Yeah. Um, it's not championship or bust. Uh, but that archetype you're talking about with Carlos Boozer, I, I think he fits it. Montrez Harrell fits it. I think he uh, is I think he is he is he is more skilled in terms of being able to like create offense overall, not just for himself. And I think that is a absolutely that is a big difference between, you know, uh, both Boozer and, and Harrell. Sure, but of, 
but but don't you think there's something to the idea of you're you're not an outside shooter you're you're, you're a little bit smaller for an interior scorer you're not moving well enough defensively like i mean sabonis is way above and beyond in this type but there's something to that type and how it translates to the playoffs as you wrote about no i think that's fair i think that's fair and I, but again the difference between a guy who you know who you know is a is a great passer for certainly for a big man like he's not he's not Jokic but like relative to like the the history of of big men in the NBA he is a great passer mm-hmm. um, I think that's a for you know compared to guys who are like pretty much black holes like you know Harrell or Boozer or Mitchell Robinson or something like that Jakob Pertl um, I think that's a that's a that's a categorical difference. Um, that sort of rescues him from that 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 mud of 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 uh, of, of empty regular season stattiness. Yes, yes. Um, I think passing is a, a big one where it doesn't always show up in the box scores. Obviously, assists are an indicator, um, but somebody who. Uh, sometimes you get players who can get assists where they're in assist mode, and sometimes uh, they're in score mode. Um, but the players who don't make those quick decisions, uh, I think feel is probably the word you'd like to use on that. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily exactly show up in a in a box score. Doesn't necessarily even show up in some advanced stats, um, but but can reduce. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home overall value so why don't we stick on overrated players and let's jump to players who are most overrated by advanced stats um on this one i'll go first and my list is going to be looking similar to your overrated by box score um <laughs> just how we did it but i've got kavan looney uh number three he i think he's going to be the best player i have on this list he's a solid player but i think his advanced stats uh way overrate him for a few reasons one he's not you know a traditional floor spacer but he benefits from playing on such a smart team you have an elite passer like draymond you've got everything steph is doing to, to space to space the floor like it, he's been in the system he knows the system he fits the system well um but they're kind of working around his limitations in a way that I don't think are generally showing up in the advanced stats. And a, a, another flaw I see is 
he can't really ramp up his minutes. Uh, con- Conditioning-wise, all this, like we've seen a, a pretty clear limit on how much he can play. And so, yeah, he's producing well when he plays, but there's a value in somebody who can do that over a longer stretch. I don't think he he has that. And if you're just a, a lot of, I think, a flaw with advanced stats, how people tend to look at him, a lot of times you're just looking at a per-minute number of things uh, or per-possession and so the the durability uh, doesn't always get properly reflected. So that's why I have Kavan Looney number three. No, that's that's fair. And there's there's another there's another piece that that is uh, that that is something that that is especially in a lot of regression based statistics can cause a player to be overrated. Is if like if if they're the one and only like okay, Golden State has no other bigs, so. If he's uh, yeah. if, if he's not playing the five and, and Draymond isn't available the five, then it's like Otto Porter or Nemanja Bielitsa or Juan Toscano Anderson or something like that playing the five. And so the difference between their performance, especially defensively, between the the uh, the, the Looney lineups and and those lineups is going to be pretty substantial. And you know. The, these these a lot of these metrics are pretty are, are somewhat naive, and so they just sort of see that difference and and like and and a sort of assign the the credit to to Looney for being being a big part of that difference when it's really like you know it's a it's a flaw of roster construction that's making him look better, and that's a you know that's a way that like players can tend to get over overrated uh, in in advanced stats is like you know it's a uh, um, you know, it's I used to call it the Perk effect. Um, when 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 Kendrick Perkins and and Nick Collison were like splitting center minutes for the Thunder, um, that really better made Nick like Nick Collison was even before Perkins was like his counterpart, like in terms of on off stuff. Uh, he was a good, a very good player by advanced metrics. But like you put him with Kendrick Perkins, and he looks like one of the like 10 best players in the league uh, in like an adjusted plus minus model. And it's just like, cause he's not that guy. Like, <laughs> like you know, we, we saw it in the, in the, what was it? The, the 2012 finals, like just like the, every game, like Thunder get their, their heads kicked in with their starting lineup timeout Perkins Perk is off the floor. Um, so right. it, it's that like that liability was just so obvious that like a good player who was not that guy, uh, would would just get you know uprated substantially, um, and that's you know that's that's sort of a that's a that's sort of a known flaw of you know regard of some of these metrics. Some of the the better ones control for that a little bit by building in some box score stuff, but that leads to its own sort of um, uh, foibles in other ways, and I think. Um, We'll get to why. And this is, uh, by the way, this category is one that I'm going to, I'm going to, com- I, I, I just, I don't know if I can responsibly even say properly overrated or underrated on advanced just because like what advanced, like the methodology is so like, is so impactful in terms of which players tend to be outliers that it's like, you, you, you'd almost have to tell me going in by, you know, by, by RAPM, by LeBron, by Darko, by EPM. Who are the who are the guys you have the biggest differences on? Uh, because those are all going to like different things are going to sort of ping those each of those metrics in different ways. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's why I was trying to go across. You know, I, I do think it tends to correlate who rates higher or lower yeah. by these. Obviously, it's yeah. not exact. Um, 
All right. So, uh, well, I don't know. How is this going to go? Can I get a number three from you on most overrated? Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I'll just, I can throw some names out, and one of them is JaVale McGee. Uh, okay, this, he was uh, he was an honorable mention. Yeah, for me. so this is this is illustrative of of so in in of of the of a kind of player who can get especially if there's especially on the defensive side of these if there is any sort of like uh, it's called a statistical prior um, where it's sort of like okay guys who who have this combination of box score stats in the past have tended to be good offensive or defensive players tended to be doesn't mean they always are so you know this is a type of player and i'll you know i'll name hassan whiteside here too as another one who oh past- whoa, whoa, you're you're stealing my list oh okay well so the but they uh hassan whiteside is my number one okay we'll, we'll get yeah. okay so yeah you get i mean so the you know there these these models like assume that hey big guy a lot of defensive rebounds a lot of block shots must be great defense must be responsible for uh, the good defense. Now, I was I was going to say that like Hassan Whiteside is le- less so this year uh, because he's sort of getting the other half of that uh, of that who you switching with. Like since he is like opposite Rudy Gobert, that's just going to make him look worse because you know Gobert's awesome defensively, and even if this this year he's been sort of slightly down uh, in in some metrics, like he's still like. If you're his backup, you're going to look worse defensively because you're not that guy. So he maybe is, is doesn't make my list this year, but in the past would have. But like, well, um, his his advanced stats in a lot of ways are up too. I mean, depends what you're looking at. Uh, yeah. But but some of them he looks like an absolute superstar, and he's not that. Yeah, and again, but that's I mean I think he's been he's sort of been more the the box score superstar almost than the than the advanced metrics, aside from you know. The ones that do take, like, ironically, the ones that are not ironically, like, you know, that do take um, some box score information into account. Oh, I mean, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm using uh, advanced stats that account for box score. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's Winters per 48 is uh, 231. His PER is, you know, up above 22. Uh, you know, yeah. very impressive there. I mean, I, I, I've talked to him about this, like, I'm not sure how much he's changed his mentality, but uh, you know, what do you what do you mean I'm not a good defender? Didn't didn't you see me block that shot on that play? And it's you know, yeah, there's more to it than just block shots, but that's what gets uh, what shows up in the box score, and then like you said, often goes into uh, other other advanced stats. Maybe not the ones you're looking at for these purposes, but some of them. Uh, so you you already mentioned my number one. I got my number three. My number two is DeAndre Jordan. Um, has fallen off a lot. Has Advanced stats, at least some of the ones I'm looking at, have not fallen off uh, quite that much. Um, you know, he's just so uninvolved often. He sees um, he just doesn't. The energy's not there to play that role. You got to play with a certain amount of energy. He's like still accumulating some stats, but it, to me, it's like the lowest of low hanging fruit. Of oh yeah, here's an open shot. I'll dunk it. I like not rolling, setting screens, rolling the rim hard enough, uh, as often enough as he used to. Like not as active defensively as he was he's probably always overrated defensively but now it's just like nothing there except for you know doing the bare minimum that shows up uh in in some of these uh advanced stats that that probably over index on efficiency yeah so my number two is gary payton the second Ooh, i like that so payton is a uh is a is a again is an archetype of a type of player who um 
you know, year to year, there's great volatility in this. And it's sort of a low minute role guy who on one hand is sort of happens to be standing on the floor when good things have happened for his team, of which he's probably contributed some, but just by virtue of sort of those low minutes, he maybe gets a, a particularly good slice of shot making for and against. Um, but also, um, it's it, these 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 measures like most of these advanced measures are not even though they're usually taken as such they're not measures of how quote unquote good a player is they're a measure of how effective they are in how they've been used and so Gary Payton has been used in a very a pretty unique role this year I mean he's a he's you know point of attack defender or he's basically like playing defensive point guard offensive power forward. Um, and in the past when he's been, had to play more of a ball handler role on offense, uh, he's kind of, he's, he's sort of torpedoed his team's offenses. Now he's gotten better. He's going to be a better corner three point shooter. He's going to be a better cutter. So he's found ways to be more effective. So it's not like I'm saying he's bad or anything like that, but I am saying that, um, the idealized situation that Golden State puts him in, um, makes it completely overstates his, uh, his sort of his, his level of play. Like, you know, by, by, for example, by estimated plus minus, he's, you know, a top five percentile player in the league this year in terms of impact. And like, he's been good, but like that just doesn't really pass the sniff test. Does it? No, no, no. I mean, uh, he's definitely overrated, but I think there's something to the idea that it is capturing. You take this player, he can be very effective if you can find this role for him. I, I do think he, He's not that effective. That is overstating it. That's why I like it. But he is a real helpful player to them because they figured out how can we play to your strengths. And and that's in and you know what that's and that's great. And you're right. But again, that that does like a like a um, the classic example of this back in the day was Matt Bonner, who like oh he's like the uh, by adjusted plus minus and regularized adjusted plus minus best player on this world because Greg. Greg Popovich realized we can use him in this situation and not in that situation. So by almost like, you know, slopping off what would be the really bad minutes from his sample, like makes him look like a better player than he was. He was very effective, but I don't know if that's the same thing as saying he's, he's really good because like that effectiveness is wholly situational. Yes. All right. So who'd you have? Number one, uh, that's, I'll throw a dart at this. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the confidence. My number two is, but number one, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's Give just, me a name. Who, who's your tier one A? So a guy who, who constantly shows up like high on these things who I'm usually like, nah. Um, and I don't I, I don't know. I'll say it. Come on. You're thinking of somebody. You just don't want to say it. Uh, no, I don't actually. I, I don't actually have a have a have a player in mind because it's like. Oh, you're just stalling. Yeah. I'm 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 stalling. Uh, I'm completely stalling. Uh, um, I you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't have. I don't have a a, a most overrated this year, especially this year because the like everything has been so weird. So it's hard to give a a most overrated. But um, I think I I kind of think we've covered sort of the the two situations where, or some of the situations where players tend to get overrated by these stats. So yeah, Can I, I, yeah I, I'll give you one. Yeah, that maybe I mean 
How about Ben Simmons? How about Ben Simmons in regards? His advanced stats are good. Uh, I think as you go into the playoffs, you're going to run into so, problems, and th- and then there's the availability issue. Like availability yeah. matters, and that's not something you're going to quite figure out uh, when you look at just his advanced stats over the years. No, that's a that's a fair point actually. But the, the the flip side of that is is Ben Simmons actually kind of ticks a box for a player who, in some ways, like especially defensively, I think advanced metrics underrate him. Agreed. So, because and it's so, um, and I, I talked about this in the, in the book a little, I think, or, or maybe it was an article, but I don't remember. So, like, okay, Gobert has Rudy Gobert has very defined strengths as a defender, and so you play him in a way that, like, hey, he's gonna be near the rim and block and block shots and deter people from going there, and that's the way we're gonna use him because he's good at that. Uh, a player like Simmons who can do a lot of different things and do them credibly, um. It's a lot easier to you end up deploying him um, either by necessity or sort of by mistake in in like his you know his third best like he still does it credibly but his third best uh, way he could play defense and since we don't have a great way like we can't always measure it perfectly like maybe he's maybe his best defensive role is as a help defender but you end up using him because nobody else can guard Trey Young so you have him guard Trey Young and he's like. He might be the best guy on the team at doing that, but his his actual impact at doing that is less than it would be if he was playing free safety or something like that, or right. if he was playing small ball five or whatever it might be. But because he there's this optionality of you know you know Rudy Gobert say he's a plus four defender as a as a rim protector and a minus one as a switch guy. Well, you never play him as a switch guy; you just have him protect the rim, so he's always a, a plus four. Whereas, you know, Ben Simmons can play any number of styles and ranges from like, you know, plus three to plus one in all of them. So he's always going to be a good defender, but you end up, you know, as overall, he ends up looking worse because, you know, you're, you're playing him half the time in his plus one role and half the time in his plus three role. And so now he looks less good compared to Gobert than he might be. And that versatility in and of itself probably has some, some value uh, from a team construction standpoint. Now, all that said, the the sort of the his exploitability, his apparent exploitability of his offensive limitations, do cut the other way. So he's kind of a fascinating player to examine in 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 this context. One other one I wrote down as a candidate, a similar type, is uh, Markel Fultz, who who is not the shooter. He looked like he could be coming out of college, uh, where he's choosing not to take those right, like where the players choosing not to do the thing that would reflect poorly in stats and you know, he's doing well enough in the other things. I'm just not sure that yeah. that translates as he would ideally grow into a bigger role. So I will, and I will name like one more player type that again is probably more defensively tends to get overrated. And that's the sort of the high, some high foul perimeter guys, uh, Pat Beverly and Dylan Brooks are, are two guys that come to mind uh, because they do like a weird thing that, that almost like helps them defensive, like their, their defensive kind of uh, adjusted metrics is they commit a lot of fouls. Uh, which means they're in foul trouble. They go to the bench. They go to the bench in foul trouble. The team's in the penalty. Uh, offensive ratings tend to be three to five point higher, five points higher um, in the bonus for obvious reasons. Then both because of the you know the, the the two shot fouls, but also teams are more reticent to not be as physical when they don't have any fouls to give. Um, so like it it, it like it, um, it actually it. it 
you know, they get away with some fouling before they put their team in the bonus, then they go to the bench and their teammates have to play in that harder environment. So they actually almost sabotage the guy who comes in for him. And that makes them look better by comparison. So that's a, a, a that's a of the of the sort of the, the archetypes that tend to tickle these metrics um, to a play, uh, to a player's benefit. Those are some of them. That's that's another one of them that I, I tend to look for. And those are two guys who historically have, you know, have very high rates of of actually fouling um, while it, like non shooting fouls in the penalty, which is a a uh, a big no no. But so that 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 balances that a little bit. But then I'll, they go to the bench and like, oh, like DeAnthony Melton has to now play eight minutes of a quarter uh, in the bonus because Dylan Brooks like hacked twice. <laughs> uh, Dylan Brooks and Patrick Beverly, one A and one B on your list. Got it. Wrote that one down. Uh, let's go to uh, most underrated by advanced so this is the one I want to say for last because it's the one I'm most interested to see how it shakes out because I, I think advanced stats generally probably come closer to lining up with how we evaluate players than traditional box scores has by we i mean you and i in particular um and we talked about some of the guys who can kind of break the systems i'm not sure where we're gonna go on underrated by advanced stats uh, i'll start off my number three is tyler hero and, and on all of these i'm not quite sure why they're not showing up higher in advanced stats maybe you can explain some of this to me i'd feel more comfortable with my choices if i knew what was going on why i saw it differently but tyler hero Coming off the bench for the Heat, filling a huge role, creating a lot of offense by himself. I, I think that's maybe what's missing a little bit. Uh, but his usage rate is high. Like, that should show up. Uh, he's reasonably efficient. He's, he's just creating a lot of things uh, somewhat out of thin air. Um, and, and so I, I think he's playing even better than his advanced stats would show. What do you think? Um, I mean, maybe, but it's sort of like, uh, what does the scoreboard do when he's on the floor? And it's it's the impact there is more muted, um, like good but not great impact. Um, gives plenty back on defense. That's that's going to be a big one in in terms of why a guy might not show up as well in this. And we can you know that's a that's sort of a, a roiling debate in like is most of these stats kind of treat offense and defense as equal. And I'm not sure that that holds, especially kind of at the smaller end of the positional spectrum. Um, like, you know, Trey Young being one of the best offensive and wor- worst defensive players in the league, that doesn't mean they cancel out. And they don't like in, in like, he still shows up very strongly positive by, by most advanced metrics or by all that, that I'm, that I'm aware of, but it's still, it probably like the balance and I've never, I've never, I think it's like anyone who follows me know I've never been a big Trey guy, but I do think that like, the detriment of his defense relative to the benefit of his offense is probably overstated, but that's a positional thing as much as anything. So who do you have number three? Um, so there's sort of like the, the only player that I was thinking about this, that over, over time that I, that really like, no, he's the guy um, that, that comes to mind is Clay Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, not this year so much. Not, not this over, year so much, but, but over time, so, yeah, agreed. So there's there's a few different things going on here. One, first of all, with any any sort of like, you know, a, a, like the number of things. Okay, a guy who's playing with other great defenders. So like again, we talk about who subs in for a guy. Like for a lot of the like his best years, he comes off the floor. Andre Iguodala comes on the floor. It's like well. Okay, their defense gets even better now, um, and that's like okay, that like that reflects poorly on 
clay in those things, but that's that says almost as much about like you know the the defensive lineups that they could put on the floor in those situations, and in more in uh, in 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 metrics where there is like a box score component, he's a low defensive event player. He doesn't get a lot of rebounds, doesn't get a lot of steals. Um, I think he's a very good, or at least before his injuries, was a very good sort of off-ball defender, very good at like navigating screens, but wasn't a guy who, you know, like, again, he didn't get a lot of rebounds. And some of that is, you know, he's playing with a point guard who who ends up, you know, Steph Curry's always been a, been good at collecting those, you know, those, that, the getting those hungry, hungry hippos rebounds that we were talking about earlier. Steph has always done that well. Draymond has been, always been an excellent positional rebounder. Um, so there are just less to go around. Um, so that like in, in, in defensive metrics with a, with a box score component, he looks worse. And then the other part is like the, 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 like some of the reason that, that like these metrics simply can't pick up on is like, and clay is sort of the, the, the best player I can think of in the, this era is sort of the latent ability that isn't like accessed every game, but then Oh wait, uh, we we need him to go nuts in Game Six against Oklahoma City, and he can easily do that. He can score thirty four points in a quarter. He can he can do these. He can have like if if there was a situation where he were more featured, these things might happen more. But because he's almost on a team like the Warriors, he's almost a decoy more than players of his his overall ability might be in other situations. Um, he doesn't he doesn't really get the the chance to express exactly how good he is as much as um as as his ability would would could uh in in another situation yeah that's a great point i i felt felt for him when he, when he uh was was upset about not making an all nba team not getting the supermax criteria and i didn't think he deserved to make an all nba team i look at all nba as what were your contributions over that regular season but that's not really directly tied to how valuable he is for the Warriors. That doesn't reflect what he can do in the playoffs, and, and so that, that's a real flaw uh, with the the supermax system. I mean, he was uh, he was bad at not he was bad yeah, at not ahead. playing with Kevin Durant. No, I say he's he was bad at not playing with Kevin Durant and 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 Steph Curry. If he'd have been better at not playing with those guys, he would have been like he would have shown up as better and probably made an All NBA team. So so damn it, <laughs> like why that was stupid. Um, no, but he's it, it, it's it's worked out okay for him, I think, over his career. But yeah, so that's again, this is I've I've successfully fought your hypothetical pretty well. But the, I think that that he that Clay is a player who probably illustrates. Um, yeah, I mean, another one is is you know you know I think we talked about it a little bit with Ben Simmons. You know, versatility can almost be a drawback. Um, um, in in terms of advanced metrics, um. And and the third one is is you know guys who are, are playing hurt, you know uh, playing hurt or playing um, unmotivated or playing for teams that don't care. You know any 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 like all of these metrics are sort of built on everyone's trying their hardest all the time. Everyone's healthy and trying their hardest all the time, right? And and so they like you know they can't see that James Harden is pissed off at about. Kyrie Irving doing whatever he's doing. They can't see that, um, you know, they can't see that that at the start of this year, Dame Lillard was probably shouldn't have been on the floor because of his, mm-hmm. of his, because uh, of his core injury. Um, they can't see that. Uh, um, I don't know. LeBron is probably more focused on catching Kareem than, 
catching whatever teams ahead of the Lakers in in the playoff uh, standings this year. Um, so his his uh, he's not maximizing towards the scoreboard. He's maximizing towards his score total a little bit, um, which probably you know is going to end up dragging his sort of impact metric stuff down a little this year. I, I think some of this fits the number one guy on my list. I guess I'll circle back to two. But number one is Lou Dort, uh, who I think by some advanced stats just looks like a lousy player. And I don't think he is. Um, I think there's value in the energy he brings. That's He's great. stuck in a bad posi- uh, situation yep. in the Thunder. He's overburdened yep. uh, with what they're asking him to do. Um, and so I think that shows up. But but even within his role, I think he's better than the, the numbers show. Um, you know, just... Uh, some of what he brings defensively, there's some clay stuff there where he's getting into guys being aggressive defensively. Maybe, maybe he falls in that foul spectrum where I'm uh, not digging him enough. But but uh, there's a lot of positives defensively, too, that I don't think are showing up uh, in things captured by stats, uh, advanced or otherwise. No, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a really good point about – you said overstressed. And I think that is a, that is that is – a pretty easy way, especially for young players, to, to they to, can show up as as you know strong negatives because they are asked to do too much too soon on bad teams and they don't do it well enough, and they'll put up some superficial numbers, but their efficiency will be horrible and they won't be driving team winning. And it's like it's okay, yeah, he's not good yet, but he, uh, you know, I think you know early in the year we probably saw this with Cade Cunningham a little bit. And Cade Cunningham was an, was an honorable mention for me because one of the things you get into, well, any statistic, it's covering the past. It's covering yeah. things that have already happened. Cade Cunningham is a much better player at this moment. If we're just talking about who's underrated right now. He's much better than he was early in the year, but early in the year is dragging down his his season long numbers. However, you want to look at him. Yeah, and and, that, and I, he's I mean he's a good example of the playing like he was he wasn't really playing hurt. But he was like he was basically like his first five games in the NBA were his training camp. And so like, right. Because of the preseason injury. And so that like, um, you know, that certainly did not get his, get his career off to a great start from a statistical standpoint. And, and, you know, and also like, again, a guy who, um, who, you know, some of his benefits are like uh, some of his, his best talents are like court vision and feel and awareness. And, you know, he's, he's slinging the ball all over the floor of teammates who can't make shots it's sort of hard to express that that uh, helpfulness if if you know he's he's playing with maybe one other shooter which is funny cuz that sounds like him in college too where he <laughs> where he was you know he was a guy who like the 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 draft model people were down on last year cuz they didn't in part because he's like oh man for a top prospect he's got a pretty mediocre statistical profile it's like yeah well he had covid and also he has like about the worst context for a player for a top player that I can remember in college. Like he's sort of the anti Jalen Suggs last year where, where Suggs had the perfect situation to look good. Um, it wasn't, and it wasn't just like Cade had bad teammates. He had bad teammates who also got in his way. Um, which, you know, <laughs> right. Like if it's just like, if he's got, like, if he's just got to go like one, four flat, every position, he could have put up some numbers, but like the other guys in Oklahoma state, like also thought they should have the ball in their hands. They just sucked. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Can, can I get a number two from you? Uh, just, you want me to just throw a name out? Oh. I mean, it's your rankings, but yeah, I absolutely <laughs> want you to throw a name out. It's my rankings. 
yeah, I, 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 I've been trapped. I've been trapped <laughs> doing, doing rankings. <laughs> Uh, you did you did three rankings and I'm very proud of you and now I'm on the fourth set and I, I, I hear it fizzling. I, I hear your interest in I, rankings dwindling. You only have two names left and we've made it all the way through. I, I just ran out of steam. Um, I really I should have had a spreadsheet in front of me to do this if we're talking about like advanced stats, but I don't. So <laughs> like it, it, it like you can make it Kate Cunningham if you want. I, wait, I, I mean Cade, I mean, Cade, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in general, Cade or a Scotty Barnes, like, yeah, both, both like might be again, because they're, you know, they're, because of that growth factor you're talking about it. But, you know, at the same time, like has, has, as good as Scotty Barnes has been at times this year over the course of the season, his impact has been okay. Like, especially like Evan Mobley's has been just like, right, much better, but like Evan Mobley was also like, like protected a little because he didn't have to guard centers most of the year because they they're Jared Allen. So protected defensively, offensively, yeah. they've asked him to do way more than I thought he'd be capable of, and he's handling it. I mean, aside from he's still like the the jump shooting is still a still a problem, but sure. But the 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 passing, yeah, um, is, yeah. is beyond what you'd expect from a rookie big man. Yes. Um, my, my number two, I'm going to give you a second to think about your number one. I'm going to let you slide in with Cade Cunningham as your number two, but we still need a number one. Uh, my number two is Buddy Heald. And this is one where maybe you can help me out. Maybe you're going to tell me I'm crazy, but you're crazy. Uh, I, Okay. I just I, I see the floor spacing. I see the shooting. He's somebody I think could ramp it up. I think he's been in a miserable situation uh with the Kings. But I don't know. I just I, I don't think he's great, but his 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 advanced numbers are pretty bleh. And I think he's better than that. I think he's like either like the high end of okay or the low end of solid, which is way beyond what his advanced numbers are. Yeah, no, I think I mean I think I wouldn't disagree that he's someone who probably is a little better, but it's like a little better. Excuse me. And uh, and a little better gets him to where, I guess. That would be my you know. He's somebody I also could see fit again with his shooting ability, right? Like he, I don't know. He's just been in, in such bad situations. It's obviously somewhat speculative, but but I don't know. Somebody who can shoot like him, I I think uh, he could defend better than he does. Maybe you see it in some spurts. I don't want to give him too much credit for not defending well when he could. Um, but there's something to you know, like we've been talking about the capability uh, of doing more in a different context. I don't know. For me, this was the hardest list. Uh, I've come up with three names, and I hear you want okay, maybe he's a little underrated, but only a little by advanced stats. But so far, you've only given me two names. You owe me one more name for somebody underrated uh, by advanced stats. Uh, I've I've stalled as long as I can. One more name, Seth. Who do you got? And then I immediately started sneezing, so I had to mute myself. So <laughs> I, I see. I thought you just like, hung up. No, it's and, and, and it's see. My body is rejecting the demand to <laughs> the demand to. Um, oof, man, I don't know. Again, it's 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 try like uh, part, again. Part of the problem is like picking out where someone is rating rated, and I mean I. <sighs> All right, give me somebody underrated by estimated plus minus. That which I think, uh, mainly because people like you have told me is the best publicly available all in one stat. I know we don't like all in one stats, 
but if you're going to use one as a quick and handy, it's, that's it's, the best yeah, one. I mean, if you're doing a quick and dirty, especially if you want to look at like a single year, like EPM is 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 kind of where it where it's at. So someone who is who I think is underrated currently by EPM. I actually had someone and then I lost it. So this is great radio. Good job, Seth. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you off the hook. You did three full sets of rankings. Your body is breaking down. It's I've asked too much. I've, I've asked too much of you. I appreciate it. The mid-range theory, basketball's evolution in the age of analytics. Get it wherever books are sold. It's fantastic. Seth, thanks for coming on. I have a name. Yes. Um, and this is uh, right. And it's 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 young guy who's gotten better, Jonathan Kaminga. Oh yeah, I like it. Yeah, how's that? Raw me? ability was was not ready early. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and again, another guy who probably is is some of the other boxes we're taking is I'm just like kind of looking at guys who are like down the list. DeAndre Hunter hasn't really been healthy this year. Um, mm-hmm. Probably better. Right. Oh, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. Well, um, so yeah, those are, I think those, those are two names I can end with. Perfect. And now I don't even have to force Kate Cunningham onto you. You gave me two on your own. Yay. Awesome. Th- thanks. Seth. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, you're welcome. I'm, I've, I'm, I'm broken out into a cold sweat and, and I have to, I feel like I have to cleanse myself at the altar and I got to put something in tears. Maybe I got to go put, <laughs> maybe I have to go put the fast and furious movies in tears now. <laughs> get, get away from, uh, and really, but you know, uh, fast five tier all by itself at, 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 at the top. But anyway, Ooh. I had to go this far to get Seth Partnow hot takes. Love it. Well, that's the no, that's the one. I mean, Fast Five is the one with the safe, right? Uh, I think I have seen one. Okay. Well, yeah, the one with the safe is like unquestionably the 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 one of the great action movies of all time. So that's I, I, yeah, tier the, one, tier one A, tier one A. Serious. Do I have to watch the other ones to watch the one with the safe, or can I just go watch that? I think you just go watch the one with the safe. Like, there's, there's, there might be an in joke or two that you, that you miss, but like, like, it's the uh, just the that you'll if if you watch it and like the this the the Rio Street scenes aren't like the craziest thing you've ever seen, then I mean, yeah, okay, I'm gonna <laughs> go do that. I've assigned you homework. You assigned me. You assigned me. You assigned me list making homework that I only got half complete, and now I'm assigning you Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, I think we know who came out ahead here. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions.